All right, three, two, one. How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to Nerd Stuff with Ian 2.0 podcast. And as always, I'm your host, Ian. And today's episode, we're going to talk about my top five favorite Batman movies from the DC animated universe. And yeah, let's just kind of just jump right into it. I figured I haven't done one in a while. And the last one I did was on my old podcast. And yeah, let me just kind of just do an updated one. So number five, I will give number five to Batman Hush. I think that, uh, you know what? No, I'm going to change this. I'm going to put Hush as number six. He, it, it'll end up being an honorable mention. I'll, I'll, jump back to is I'm changing my mind on it. So I will give it actually to Batman Long Halloween. Now I personally enjoy Long Halloween Batman Long Halloween as a comic book and a graphic novel. And I think they did a a good job translating it over. You know, doing a de- adaptation, not like a super direct version of it, but doing a good job enough of giving you the essence of the story and hitting its key points and doing it well with what it was necessary. So to me, I think Batman Long Halloween just, it scratched an itch that I think a lot of fans wanted for a while. Now, I don't think it's their best DC animated Batman film. And there are things I would personally change just in, in retrospect, but I think overall it is a solid film. They did just do their full deluxe edition release. So if you're somebody who's like, just didn't want to buy part one and part two separately and you just want to buy them all together, they just released that not too long ago. I think this past month, I think they did. So if you haven't checked it out, give it a check out is a good story. It's solid. It's a really and truly it is what the Dark Knight Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight was really based off of, which was the long Halloween and mixture of a couple other things. But overall, film does what it needs to do. Moves the story forward. I'm curious about what the next film is going to be for Batman. At least in the new DC animated universe they're doing. All right, next up, I will give number four to Batman Year One. That movie, I feel like, is as much as I want to claim it's just a simple, straightforward Batman film, it is legit a Batman and Jim Jim Gordon film. I think from every standpoint of it, I think they just did a good job. Animation... Fantastic. They pulled pretty much directly from Frank Miller's wheelhouse. And they overall, you know, they nailed it to me. I feel like the story from beginning to end was perfect. It solidified an origin for Batman. It gave everybody a definitive, you know, Frank Miller year one. And I think any fan that just goes to watch that film, it sets that tone. And I think having Brian Cranston voice 
Jim Gordon was a fantastic choice. And oh, to throw this on with Batman the Long Halloween, I think Jensen Ackles did a great job as Batman. And I think uh, Josh Dumal did a great job as the as Two-Face. I think both of them did great. I, eh, I think Troy Baker did his usual for Joker because he just essentially just brought back Arkham Origins. But, you know, I think overall they did a good job with their voice acting too. Just in case people are like, oh, well, you forgot that one. Like, sorry, brain kind of jumbled back. But let's get back to Batman Year One. I think overall, solid film, great origin film. And if you're somebody who, you know, who loved Frank Miller's artwork, or if you're somebody who's like, hey, I want to get my friends into something that into Batman, and it's not super complicated, I don't have to overthink and really and truly, you know, feel like they have to go and watch an entire series or anything like that, then Batman Year One, I feel like, is a great jumping on point, and I put it at number four, because it's... To me, such an amazing movie. I, I love it. Now, still still staying on the Frank Miller train, Dark Knight Return. The Dark Knight Returns. Dude, I, I don't know what else I can say about this film other than saying from start to finish, part one and part two, soundtrack, fantastic. To get Peter Weller to voice... Freaking Batman, you got Robocop coming in and doing old Batman, who realistically, he Michael Ironside, for people who, who've watched the new adventures of Batman, he did a fantastic job. And if they could have gotten Ironside back, oh, I would have loved that too. But I think Peter Weller just nailed it, where he's like, come on, when he's like going off. And like at the beginning of part one, where he's just telling. The thugs are trying to, you know, fight him. Like, he's he's telling him, like, dude, bring it. And you could feel, like, in that vocal choice, Peter Wall, I think, did a fantastic job of bringing out that old, you know, old Batman who wants a fight, who wants to go to war again, who wants to have that final battle. One more time. And Peter Weller did a fantastic job with that. You could feel it. And I think overall, his voice casting, his voice casting was top-notch. Of course, it's Dark Knight Returns. So the story is, you know, in all intents and purposes, fantastic. It it holds up. Now I will say this: if you watch part one and part two. Part one is way stronger, and I think that even is conveyed very well even in the comic book, where part one, the first two issues really, where it's Batman versus the mutant gang, tight-knit, strong, and very well written. It's when, you know, you get to part two, where Batman faces the Joker and Superman, it's where it definitely gets weak. And... Ultimately, that is where I think a lot of people have more issues with part two than part one. I'll be honest, I've probably watched part one a lot more than I've watched part two, but I love them both equally. And or I shouldn't say equally. 
I love them both enough where if I'm like, hey, you know what, I, I'll rock out part one. You know what, let me just rock out part two. If, like, it's one of those days where I'm like, I know I can do it. Most of the time, I feel like part one does such a good job that, like, I'll probably wait, like, another day or so and I'll watch part two. If, like, I'm not really in the mood to bring out that. If I'm really in the mood to bring out Dark Knight Returns. And speaking on everything else, the soundtrack, man, freaking that soundtrack in Dark Knight Returns, fantastic. Like, the 80 cent, everything that was done for the for the film, music-wise, top-notch. I highly recommend it if you've not watched it for yourself. I highly recommend watching both. It is a solid Batman story. You know, if you're somebody who's like, hey, I don't want to, you know, go back and, you know, I don't, I don't want to deal with, you know, trying to figure out all these different Batman stories. You just want a very solid story that you combine that with Batman Year One. It kind of plays itself together well because they're both written by Frank Miller. I recommend both of those or all three of those films back to back. Now they have done a deluxe edition of the Dark Knight Returns, so if you're like, "Hey, I just want to buy them all in one," I do recommend that as well. So, highly recommend Dark Knight Returns, especially if you want to just do the deluxe edition. Highly recommend it, and highly recommend just watching both parts. Even though I know most fans will enjoy loving part one more than part two. It just is what it is. Alright, now let's get to number two. Now I know this is one that, of course, if you've been a fan of the channel for a while, and or not even the channel, of the podcast for a while, or you've just had a real-life conversation with me and you asked me about my favorite Batman films, this is one that, you know, I, I arguably have to put it at, I can put it at one or two all the time. But the only reason why I had to stay steadfast and put this at number two is because it follows up what number one did. So Batman Beyond Return of the Joker is number two for me. That movie, to me, start to finish, I say all of them are worth watching. Start to finish, fantastic story. Does a great job of bow tie, of kind of bow tying off the Batman Joker final fight dynamic. You get two of those in that film. You also get to see just how devastating the Joker really is in the DC animated universe, or particularly the Batman the animated universe. Just how sinister and crazy and just off far ahead of his time they really made him. You know, I, I love what they did. I love the change of not doing Jason Todd, but doing Tim Drake. Making Tim Drake be tortured by the Joker to give up all the information. Making the Joker be like, you know what? I don't want to just, you know, beat you and let you go psychologically. I'm going to put this little microchip on you that when you're older and I'm, you know, you have some fits, you're going to transform into me. That is utterly scary on ev- or in every sense of the word. Utterly scary on that. Like, that's frightening. 
Like imagine just having an episode where you're just you're just mad at work or you're just having you know a laughing fit or you got high anxiety and next thing you know you just start cracking up and laughing so hard that you transform into the freaking joker. You have no control of your body, you know is what's going on, but you can't do anything about it. Like after all of that, and especially after getting tortured by the man, you know, that to me was truly the ingenious side of Bruce Tim, Paul Dini and all them, and just how they made Joker's one last ride in in the Batman Beyond universe such a thrill ride and such terror at the same time. And I just love that film. Like, I love Batman Beyond. It was such a perfect, you know, unexpected ending to Batman Beyond. Because to me, you know, there is the last episode. But I feel like this episode, or this movie, in my opinion, did a great job being like, you know what? Let's give the fans of this show exactly what they want. The one guy, we've teased the Joker with the Joker's gang. Let's do it. Let's commit. And their final fight, I thought was amazing. So the one between Batman Beyond Terry McGinnis and Joker in Tim Drake's body, I thought was fantastic. I think well done, well illustrated, just drawn. And Wilfred Dell and Mark Hamill, of course, brought it hard for that. I also thought the final confrontation between Batman and the Joker you know, Bruce Wayne and Joker was also fantastic. And in a lot of ways, I thought it was crazier that in the, uh, I guess they want to say the censored version, that Tim Drake pushed Joker into some vials of water, and then without missing a beat, Joker pulls a lever and electrocutes himself. Now in the uncensored version, Tim Drake just shoots him in the chest. I'll be honest with you, I'm pretty sure electrocution's way worse than getting shot in the chest with a flag and having gun violence be put out there for a child to have been the final one to kill the Joker. That'll always haunt his face. Both are horrible, but I'm pretty sure electrocution was way more brutal for that. Just saying. But I also love both cuts. If you haven't watched both versions of Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, I recommend both. It is You have the censored and uncensored. I think now they're doing a lot more of the uncensored, but I believe in the Blu-rays you can watch both. It's been a minute since I've, wa- since I've checked, watched my Blu-ray version of Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, but I believe you can watch both. And to me, arguably, both hold up very well. There's very little change other than a couple other scenes that, you know, just set up the fact that Joker was truly terrifying. And if you've been a fan of Batman the Animated Series, you know how terrifying he is. Now, let's get to the piece of resistance, my all-time favorite Batman animated film, and... Arguably the greatest DC animated film of all time. And there's a lot of people that will fight that point. Like nonstop. It is Batman Mask of the Phantasm. And dude, 
that film, it is an automatic recommend, no matter what. If you want just a a good Batman story, it sets up and delivers. You know, you want to see a movie that arguably could have been made into a live action movie and would have been a great origin for both Batman and the Joker that did have that pull from Batman year two, as well as giving essence within what Batman, the 1989 Batman was and which kind of solidified what Batman, the animated series Joker really was, was a former mobster or hitman for the mob who decided who ends up getting fallen to a vat acid and just completely changes pretty much similar to what Jack Nicholson went through, but made him don't get me wrong. I love Jack Nicholson's Joker. That arguably might be my favorite Joker. And a lot of people will be like, Oh, well, you know, Heath Ledger and usually become Jack between Jack Nicholson and Heath Ledger. I end up falling on the Nicholson side. I think Nicholson just in comparison I loved Gangster Joker a little more than, you know, Anarchy Joker. But that's just my personal preference. You know, if yours is Heath, go for it. But uh, get back to it. You, Within Batman, Mask of the Phantasm, you just have a great solid story. And a film that arguably just didn't do well at the box office. But wasn't until it hit, you know, home video that it just exploded. You know, all the things they did in that film. You know, Batman's journey to figure out, you know, who Phantasm is. And you find out that it's his long-lost love, Andrea Beaumont. And you find out that the Joker ruined that. That Batman was seeking true happiness. That he had his chance. And that he was about to give up everything he had proposed to Andrea. And in the end, you know crime and the Joker just wasn't going to let him have it and it utterly tears your heart to think that like Bruce truly wanted happiness and in the end Gotham City was not going to give it to him even if he wanted it and it just all happened to be happenstance right girl Wrong, you know, wrong side of the tracks, essentially. Similar to Selena Kyle. And overall, just well done. You know, Kevin Conroy knocks it out the park. Freaking Mark Hamill, of course, knocks it out the park. Uh, is it Diane Delaney, I believe, who later goes to voice Lois Lane? She knocks Andrea Beaumont's character out the park. Everybody in the film, top-notch, story-wise, everything. And it solidified how good Batman the Animated Series is and still is in comparison to other Batman series. And the fact that Bruce Tim, Paul Dini, and all them, for all the trials and tribulations they went through with Batman to get certain stories out and as much as they, much as they love that, they got the story out and they got a movie that even after they're long gone will outlive them and fans will be like, this is the definitive. This is it. 
and it solidifies it. Non, like there's no, no other way to describe it other than say like they made, in a they made an original Batman film that stands on its own that you can watch. You know whether you've seen the show or not, it nails everything you want. It gives you that personal trauma Batman has. It gives you a Batman origin. It gives you an origin of Joker. It gives you a villain that has, even to this day, yet to be fully brought into the DC Comics universe. I know, you know, Tom King did Batman Catwoman. If I'm being honest, it was just his version of trying to do Mask of the Phantasm without just nailing the characters well. And to me... The fact that no comic book runs really press that, like, come on, like, really attempted someone just redo that character and have some fun with it, man. I think fans have clamored for it to be in the actual comics, same thing with Batman Beyond. They finally got Batman Beyond into the comics, the actual DC Universe, in what, 2014, 2015? And just certain writers just don't know how to do them. But to uh, get back to Batman Mask of the Phantasm. It is the definitive Batman animated film. Animation wise, it does get beat by Batman Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero. But story wise, Mask of the Phantasm. Whether you've seen it or you've not, it holds up. And regardless of, you know, unfortunately it gets spoiled and everything like that. It is one that I could go back, watch anytime I want, and I'm always satisfied. The soundtrack, the animation, the voice acting, everything on that film. You know, I give all the compliments Dark Knight Returns. I give, you know, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker in year one, and even Batman Long Halloween. I give a lot of them great props. But Batman Mask of Phantasm set it off. It showed how dark you can really go with a DC animated film. It showed just what that character is meant to become and meant to be. And I hope one day we can you know, see Batman the Cape Crusader, if that ever happens, because apparently that's in, like, a, how do I put this, kind of a uh, shipping out, mark or shopping around to wants it kind of thing at the moment. And to me, I feel like that's kind of not good. DC, if they really commit, DC and Warner Bros., if they commit to it, oh, they would have made hand over foot money with that. But that's just me. So, let me finish this off. Thank you guys for listening. As always, you guys are amazing. You guys can find me on, you know, Anchor, Podbean, wherever you listen to your podcast, as well as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And, uh, yeah, you guys have a great day. And, yeah, hold on. There's always one more thing. I'm sure there's probably something that's on my mind. Just quick recap. Long Halloween's five. Four is Batman Year One. Three is The Dark Knight Returns. Two is Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. And one, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Later. Bye.